0: The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams from the service Already in Progress. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, look to the Lord in prayer right now. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being our Father and our God. We thank you for every blessing and benefit you've loaded us with daily. You have been good to us. You have better been better to us than we could ever be to ourselves. And now, Father, as we stand here to preach and teach your word, We're asking for the anointing of God to be upon the message and the messenger. Lord, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength, my Redeemer, give me the tongue of the learned that I may speak a word in season, especially to them who are weary. So in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word coming forth. And we ask you to confirm your word with signs following in the lives of your people. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Would you open your Bibles once again this week to Acts chapter 13, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13? Acts chapter 13, verse 38 of the words of. Paul, the apostle, when he went into the church at Antioch, the church at Antioch, not in Syria, but in Pisidia, Syria. They called on Paul to have words, and these were some of his words. Now, I want to share some of these words with you because they're very, very important for all of us. In verse 38, Paul says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, this man is Jesus, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things which you could not be justified by under or, or by the law of Moses. So what I want to talk about or continue to talk about this morning is, I want to talk about what the devil wants to steal from you. What the devil wants to steal from you. Now, last week I told you that here Paul preached, not only here, but everywhere he went. Paul preached that, the, that there were certain blessings that were derived from the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And two major blessings he mentioned in these two verses. And those are the two major blessings I want to focus on. And that is the blessing of forgiveness and justification. But the devil wants to steal your forgiveness. He wants to steal your justification. Now, many times when you hear about somebody want to steal something from you, your first impulse is, is to try to lock it down, lock it up. Now, the devil doesn't want to steal your house. doesn't want to steal your car. The devil doesn't want to steal your money. He doesn't even want to steal any of your material things. What the devil wants to do is steal your spiritual blessings. And if he can steal your spiritual blessings, blessings like joy and peace, come on, if he can steal those spiritual blessings and, th- and just get you confused or get you wondering about, am I really forgiven? Am I really justified? It is much easier for the devil to steal your, your joy, your peace, even your love in your heart, if he can steal your forgiveness and justification. And once he steals your forgiveness and justification, you can kiss peace and and joy, love, all the spiritual blessings. You can just kiss them goodbye because they're gone. All you're doing now is trying to fake it till you make it. Because you really don't believe deep down inside that you're forgiven. You really don't believe deep down inside that you're justified. When you really believe that you are forgiven, When you really believe you're justified, it impacts the way you live. It impacts the way you carry yourself. It'll even change your talk. It'll change your walk. Because you know you're forgiven. You're justified before God. But the devil wants to steal your blessings. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus told the Jews... He says, the thief, speaking of the devil, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. But again, there's certain things the devil doesn't want to steal. He wants to steal the important things. So what you have, that's not what the devil wants to steal. He wants to steal what you believe. And the question is, what do you believe? Do you really believe you're forgiven? Do you really believe you're justified? Now, Paul has said to the Ephesians concerning Jesus Christ that in Christ we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And I'm telling you beloved, his grace is abundant grace. His grace always does much more. And so in Christ we have redemption. We have been ransomed by Christ. We have been bought back from the enemy who had a hold on our lives. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according To the riches of his grace. Then Paul also said to the Roman Christians, he said that Jesus was delivered for our offenses. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he suffered and died on the cross. He was delivered up for our offenses. You see, we owe a debt of sin that we could not pay. He paid that debt of sin that he did not owe. So he was delivered. For our offenses, but he was raised again, Paul says. This is Romans 4.25. He was raised again for our justification. So not only are we forgiven, we have been justified. Now, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is actually granting you a favor. Every time God forgives me of anything, He's giving me a favor. Every time God forgives you of anything, He's granting you a favor. He's given you freedom and pardon from your debt of sin. You're free from sin. Sin doesn't have dominion over you. You have been pardoned by God Himself. And now you can go free. Now justification is the same as Vindication. A good way to understand justification is to understand the word justify as meaning just as if I had never sinned. Can you imagine that? No no matter how horrendous your life may have been, how vile, how wicked, how dark your life may have been, can you imagine when God looks at you, He looks at you just as if you had never sinned? So that's a vindication. Justification is to render you as a righteous person, a righteous person who had never sinned from the very beginning. Now, to really understand and appreciate uh, justification, I think I gave you the analogy last week that you can get in some bad trouble and be thrown in jail. But you can be bailed out of jail and you're no longer in that jail, but you still have that crime hanging over your head. But justification isn't a bailout. Justification is an, is an expungement. It remits your sin. It does away. It destroys the record that you ever sinned. And so when you are expunged, there is no record. There is no public recording that you ever did anything wrong. Because your sins have been expunged. Isn't that good news? That's good news. So how does the the enemy steal from us? How does the enemy steal? And this is where I left off last week. He steals through accusation and condemnation. That's right. He wants to accuse you or condemn you or he wants to get you to accuse others or condemn others. But that's the way the enemy works. He works through accusation and condemnation. Now, condemnation and accusation is really a spirit. It's a demonic spirit. Remember in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, there in the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he made to John the Apostle. John said in that revelation that the great dragon had been cast down, the old serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He's been cast down, and his angels have been cast down with him. What was John saying? When Satan got kicked out of heaven, he was cast down into this earthly ram. And John says he was an old dragon, the old serpent, the same one we call the devil and Satan. He's been cast down. But John says there's a good news story to this. He says in verse 12, verse 10, rather, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength. Now has come the power, the, the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren has been cast down, who accuses them before our God both day and night. But they overcame him. Yes, they did. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved their lives not until the death. What was John saying? Even though the devil is in this earthly realm walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy, the good news is we now have salvation and strength. We now have the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Why? Because the accuser of our brother has been cast down. Satan's only power is in his role as an accuser. He has no power outside of accusation and condemnation. He has been cast down. He has been defeated. Then John went on to say, but the saints overcame him. And this is the same way you're going to overcome him. This is the same way I'm going to overcome him. The same one who wants to steal from us. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, what was their testimony? By the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm forgiven. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I am justified by the blood. And there's power in their blood. And John says they love their lives, not until the death. When you get the revelation of who you are in God and what God has given you, you will love God more than you love the whole life you live in. Your love, not your life until the death. So some people are afraid of dying. And that's because they have been afraid of living. John says, when you overcome, you're not afraid to die because you have victory while living. Do you hear what I'm saying? So accusation is really slander. That's what it is. That's the legal term for it: slander. You know, you say something about somebody that's just not true. You see, some of you have been following the news. You see, where the Dominion Voting Machine Company was awarded seven hundred and eighty-seven billion dollars. I'm sorry, million dollars settlement over Fox News for telling lies. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands here, but anybody here that that. that watch the Fox News, you need a checkup from the neck up. You need a checkup from the neck up. Why would you purposely sit in front of your TV just to hear somebody lie to you? But they had to pay $787.5 million for all those lies. Huh? And the reason they had to pay it, because they had slandered he had slandered Dominion Voting Machine Company. That's what the devil does. He slanders us and he gets us to slander others. I want you to consider something here in the book of Job. In, in chapter 1 of Job, you'll find there was a day when the sons of God, they came to present themselves unto the Lord and Satan came among them and then the Lord asked Satan, says, where have you come from? He says, from walking to and fro in the earth, walking up and down it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my soul? Since you've been going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom you may devour, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth. He is a perfect and upright man, he fears God and he excuses or shuns all evil. And, the, and, and then the devil began to make an accusation against Job in the face of God. He says, Does Job not fear you for nothing? Does Job not fear you for nothing? You have placed a hedge around his life. you placed a hedge around his household. you placed a hedge around all of his possessions, and his wealth is increasing in the land. But just stretch forth your hand. Just stretch forth your hand and touch Job, and he will curse you to your face. That's an accusation. And if the devil would make an accusation against a perfect and upright man, a man that feared God, shone evil, how much more will he make an accusation against me and you? Then it gets even worse. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, And he ate nothing for 40 days and 40 nights. And after 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says Jesus was hungry. Then Satan came along and he said to Jesus, If, if, you got to watch out for those ifs. I'm telling you, it's the accusation behind the if. If you be the son of God, then command these stones to be made bread. And of course, Jesus resisted him with the word of God that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If the devil would accuse Job, if the devil would accuse Jesus, the very Son of God, how much more will he accuse us? The devil is an accuser. John clearly said, not only is he a great dragon, not only is he the old serpent, not only he's the one that called the devil and Satan, but John says he is the accuser of the brethren. who accuses us before God day and night. Is that right? Now, when it comes to accusation, we accuse ourselves. And we accuse others. We accuse ourselves out of ignorance and what I call low, spiritual low self-esteem. You accuse yourself. You beat up on yourself. You feel like you're not this, that, or the other. And you know why you beat up on yourself? Because you're doing that out of ignorance. My Bible tells me that you are complete and perfect in Christ. But you don't believe that. You don't believe that. You beat up on yourself out of spiritual low self esteem. You don't feel like you're good enough or you're good as the next person. And your good ought to be based on one metric and one metric alone, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Huh? And so the devil gets us to do his dirty work against us. We're constantly accusing ourselves. We call ourselves things like dumb, stupid. I should have done this. I, I should not have done the other. That was crazy of me. That was stupid of me. You're accusing yourself the way the devil wants you to accuse yourself. Then we accuse others. We accuse others by pointing the finger to condemn, to criticize but when you're pointing your finger at somebody else, there's at least three fingers pointing back at you and one thumb, the thumb up your nose. Did you hear what I said? And why do we accuse others? We do it out of our own guilt. We do it out of our own guilt. In psychology and some social scientists, they may, they may call that projection. You project on other people what you're going through. The reason you're accusing me of this, that, and the other because you're going through this, that, and the other and and you're having trouble grappling with it, reconciling it, dealing with it, managing it. So you accuse me of the very thing that you're guilty of. That's an accusation. And I'm telling you who's behind that accusation. Satan is the one behind that accusation. Now, condemnation is to pass judgment on ourselves or others. Just pass judgment. And oftentimes that judgment looks like harsh criticism. We harshly criticize somebody or we condemn them to heaven or hell. No, I'm sorry, not to heaven, but to hell. You condemn them to hell. And how's it that? You're going to tell somebody they're going to go to hell for this, going to go to hell for that, or go to hell for the other when you've never been to hell. I want you to think about this. But that is a spirit of condemnation. And so we pass judgments on ourselves. We pass judgment on others. And why do we condemn ourselves? Matthew chapter 7 tells us why. If you flip over to Matthew chapter 7, Jesus will tell us in the Sermon on the Mount exactly why we condemn other people. We condemn ourselves, and we condemn others, simply put, because combination is in our eyes. Let me say it again. We condemn ourselves, we condemn others, because of combination being in our eyes. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, judge not That you be not judged. In other words, what you sow, you're gonna reap. If you don't want to be criticized, stop criticizing other folk. If you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. Judge not, condemn not, sentence not, criticize not that you be not judged. For with the for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Then he illustrates what I'm talking about, how combination is in our eyes. It's always in our eyes. We only condemn that we see. Think about it. You can't condemn anybody if your eyes are closed. But when you open your eyes and you don't like what you see, You condemn, and oftentimes you don't like what you see in them because you know that's what you see in yourself. Now, here's the illustration Jesus gave here in Matthew 7, verse 3. He says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Hello, somebody. Huh? Don't tell somebody how to raise their kids when you can't do nothing with your own. How are you going to tell somebody how they didn't need to treat their husband and your husband already left you? Hello. How are you going to say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Because you're condemning others in the same areas you're guilty of. First remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And if you ever get to a place where you can see clearly to remove that speck of dust from your brother's eye, you must approach your brother with love and compassion. Hello? Or you'll be rebuffed. You won't be received. You'll be rejected. Right away, you'll be rejected. And so Jesus is telling us combination is in your eyes. It's how you see people. And oftentimes the way we see people is predicated on the way we've seen ourselves. Hello? You're just projecting. Trying to make yourself feel better by making somebody else feel worse. That's combination. Combination. But you notice, Jesus never condemned anybody. Let me say it again. Don't get quiet on me here. Jesus never condemned anybody. Don't you look at me like that I turn to John chapter 8. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We live in a day and a time where there's a lot of wickedness among men. And we think that we as a church, we have been anointed and appointed to condemn the world. No, we have not been. We've been called to love the world. Huh? In John chapter 8, Jesus had gone into the temple early one morning to teach. And as he sat down, the people gathered around him. Then all of a sudden, the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had sat her in the midst, can you imagine you teaching somebody going to interrupt your session? They say, this woman was caught in adultery. And you're not even teaching on adultery. Huh? And they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. You can only know that if you were there. And if you weren't there, you didn't see it. And if you saw it, why were you there? Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net, 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.